Well, at the beginning of this year, the American Psychological Association put out a report entitled, Burnout and Stress Are Everywhere. And here's what the authors write. As the world heads into the third year of the pandemic, stressors in every domain of life have become persistent and indefinite, heightening everyone's risk of burnout. Well, what do they mean by burnout? They go on to describe what it looks like in the workplace. Feelings of energy depletion or exhaustion, feelings of negativism, reduced professional efficacy, meaning people have a decreased sense of accomplishment at work, or they have trouble keeping up with work tasks. Aside from work, high numbers of people report they lack interest or energy, and they experience emotional or physical exhaustion regularly. Now, maybe you've seen this around you in your home, or I'm willing to guess some of you have felt this way in the past six months. The title of today's sermon is Fresh Encouragement to Press On. I don't know what you imagine the Apostle Paul was like, but for me, after his dramatic conversion to Christ, I'm tempted to see Paul as totally unflappable. He never denied or left Jesus like the other disciples. He wasn't the one who needed to be rebuked before the Jerusalem council about his errant views of the Gentiles like Peter was. No, to me, Paul possessed something like a superhuman quality. He gave up his freedom and was jailed for Jesus. He was even willing to give up his life for Jesus. All to Jesus, he surrendered, like the old hymn says. What an example of faith. No wonder the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to say, imitate me as I imitate Christ. He was probably the best model of Christ's life in all of history. But what we will see this morning is that this unique apostle called by the Lord of heaven was harassed by the same troubles that all of us face on earth. You and I may not possess the same strength of faith as Paul, but with Paul we all share the same calling, to be faithful ministers of Jesus to all those around us whether you're a working or stay-at-home mom, or a retiree or in the prime of your career, or even if you're a student on summer vacation, our first calling is to be full-time disciples of Jesus Christ. But sometimes we want to quit. Not because we want to be especially bad, but because we experience something like burnout. Some of you right now are experiencing a breaking point at work or at home or even at the grocery store. The other day I went to buy a little slab of ribs and uh, it was just the funniest thing. In front of the packet of ribs I wanted to buy was a sticker that had the cost of the entire meat aisle on it. I thought that this was some sort of mistake, so I told the grocery store worker, and he didn't think I was funny either, so anyway. <laughs> what we're going to see this morning is that this great apostle had very real human struggles like we did. We're also going to see that he didn't endure these troubles because he didn't have superhuman strength, but because the Lord Jesus Christ provided a fresh supply of encouragement to press on. 
So first, we're going to be looking at these tiring discouragements of Paul, and then we're going to look at the fresh encouragements that the Lord Jesus provided for him. You'll remember last week that we heard Paul preach his famous sermon at, uh, in Athens at the Areopagus Council, and by and large, there were a lot of negative reviews. There were a few who converted to Christ, but by and large, people either shook their heads or scratched their heads saying, this guy does not make any sense. He was booed off stage. And when you are a results-oriented person, meager responses like that are many deaths. You may try to embody the gospel to those around you at work or at home, and you get a chilly response, just like Paul did. It could feel very crushing. So after Athens, Paul heads to Corinth. If Athens was known as an intellectual city, Corinth was known as a sensual city. Total depravity may have been the city's motto. Back in college, I had a New Testament professor call the church established in Corinth the Jerry Springer congregation planted right on the Las Vegas Strip. For those of you who have no idea who Jerry Springer is, his daytime uh, talk show was so provocative that Jerry was once asked, do you allow your children to watch your show? And he replied, of course not. I would never allow them to watch such filth. Now that was the city of Corinth's reputation. In fact, to be called a Corinthian was synonymous with being the most uh, perverted or engaged in the most perverted behavior. So what's this good Christian like Paul doing in the city of Corinth. Corinth was a major commercial city. People from all over the empire came to do business there. And if Paul could plant a church there, from there the gospel could go throughout the world. One of our Go Partner ministries is International Students Incorporated, and they do their work right here in Princeton. They minister to students from all over the world who will then return to their home countries and be able to share the gospel with others. It's the same idea with Paul. Through Corinth, he could reach the world. These were, in many ways, perfect conditions for the advancement of the gospel. But things were not perfect for Paul, far from it. Because by the time he shows up in Corinth, he was swept up in a riotous crowd. He was in prison. He was stoned within an inch of his life. And just as we mentioned before, there was disappointment from leaving Athens. At the very least, we can say that maybe Paul was burned out, but maybe we can even say that he was traumatized. 1 Corinthians 2, Paul puts it this way, and when I came to you, brothers and sisters, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in trembling. He was beat up as he walked into Corinth. And as if all that pain he endured wasn't enough, he entered into this intimidating ministry context all alone. Silas and Timothy hadn't arrived yet. Loneliness was in the mix of all his troubles. And not only that, he was hard up for money, maybe even broke. Bad results in Athens, beat up on the job by himself and broke, 
this was Paul's condition as he goes into Corinth. And these same discouragements are some of the main reasons that people today leave the ministry, leave the church, stop reading the Bible and praying, stop discipling their children, and not share their faith. Why keep serving in ministry if no one seems to notice or is impacted by what you do? Why become a member of a church after all the hurt that you've been through in previous churches? Why try to wrangle children to read the Bible together or to go to youth group when you're not really sure if any good is coming of it? Why keep reading the Bible and praying if God doesn't even seem to be helping to meet ends meet? When God calls you to be a faithful follower of Jesus Christ, he will give you whatever encouragement or means are necessary to fulfill that call. And Paul had to learn that lesson himself. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. That's what he wrote to the Philippians. He who called you is faithful, and he will do it. That's what he wrote to the Thessalonians. So what you see in these verses today is that there are fresh encouragements for a very tired Paul. Some of them are ordinary, some of them are extraordinary, but all of them God brings together to breathe new life into Paul. And because we fundamentally share the same call as Paul, we can trust that God will give us what we will need to be faithful to him. So now let's look at the fresh encouragements that the Lord gave him. Notice that he arrives in Corinth and the first thing Paul does is find work. He finds it with Priscilla and Aquila. This job that Paul was working as a tent maker, he would do from Sunday to Friday. Because every Saturday you would find Paul in the synagogues preaching the gospel to the Jews and Greeks. There were two reasons that Paul had this job. One, we mentioned he probably needed money at this point. But secondly, this was to show his good intentions. Because in those days, after a flashy message, lots of crooked preachers would pass the basket around to pad their pockets. But not so for Paul. He wouldn't take money from the Corinthians because just as he freely received the gospel, so he would freely give. Taking money from the Corinthians made the gospel too transactional and less like a gracious gift than it was. But more than that, tent making helped Paul live out his calling in community. Because Priscilla and Aquila, they were deported from Rome. As we heard, Claudius the emperor pushed the Jews out of Rome because the name of Jesus was causing division. But Claudius's edict couldn't overrule God's plan for the church. Because in Corinth, God brings together this deported couple and this discouraged preacher to start a church in a very influential city. And it's being funded by their own tent-making business. Paul must have had such big views of God's plans. Just because he had to drop down to part-time volunteer ministry work that didn't face him in understanding that his high call came from God to preach the gospel. 
When God doesn't fill out our calling in the way that we want, oftentimes we can become inflexible. We can become resentful. But that wasn't Paul. Someone who became a close mentor in my life, we worked together at the same clinic. He took an entry-level counseling job because he wanted to help plant a church in a hard-hit area in Philadelphia. He had a doctorate degree. He had fluency in three languages. He had several counseling certifications. He clearly could have landed a much better job. And I asked him, why do you work here? And he told me, in the secular setting we're currently in, they don't mind if I share the gospel with people. And I get to do this with men with troubled backgrounds. And I am also able to do my church planting work on the weekends. Like Paul, when God's call demanded making tough sacrifice, he saw the Lord's hand in it and he made that sacrifice. His heart was not set on ideal circumstances, but simply being faithful to the call. That's what Paul did. But then notice this, after the encouragement Paul finds in working with Priscilla and Aquila, in verse 5, Silas and Timothy, they show up. They finally join Paul. The friends are reunited. Uh, Do you remember what it was like to reunite with people after all the lockdowns? How something was missing and now something was finally filled in life? Paul served time with Silas and Timothy was like a son to him. Corinth was a tough place to do ministry. Paul must have been so happy just to be reunited with his friends. The classic book, Spiritual Friendship, captures this moment so very well. No medicine is more valuable, no more efficacious, none better suited to the cure of all our temporal ills than a friend. I hope you found that to be the case in your life too. Not only work with Priscilla and Aquility, but now God brings the added gift of Silas and Timothy to join him. And actually, Silas and Timothy bring the whole friendship of the Philippian church with them because they give him a sum of money to allow him to preach the gospel full time now. What a timely gift this was for Paul. And he not only was able to preach the gospel because of this money, but he knew that from the Philippian church, he had partners in the gospel ministry. The Philippian church loved Paul so much for introducing them to Jesus Christ. This was the least they can do for the apostle. That must have cheered Paul's heart. But now look at what happens. After all these encouragements Paul receives, after this fresh wind in his sails, he encounters fresh opposition. Even worse than his rejection in Athens, he gets kicked out of the local synagogue. And just as the Lord Jesus taught his disciples, Paul shakes the dust off his garments and he says to them, your blood be on your heads, I am innocent, from now on I will go to the Gentiles. Paul called people to repent and to turn to God to escape the coming judgment. Just like the prophet Ezekiel was called to warn God's people in the Old Testament. So Paul's ministry was like a warning trumpet to the people in his day. 
So Paul proclaims week after week in the synagogue, the Messiah has come. He does his part. He teaches the people. Now if these Jews and Greeks don't listen, the blood is on their heads, not on his. But do you know how much it must have cut Paul's heart to know that his own people wouldn't listen about the coming of the Messiah? In effect, he says this in Romans 9. Is there any way I could be cursed by Jesus so that they could enter into his family? If so, I would do it in a minute because they're my family. In plain speech, do you know what he's saying? I'd be willing to go to hell to save them. That's how much he loved them. Well, they lock Paul out of the synagogue and they vote him out of the club. That was very one-sided love. What discouragement Paul experienced. But then the strangest thing happens. Paul moves the operations across the street from the synagogue in Titius Justice's house, and the president of the club, the ruler of the synagogue, with his entire family, comes across the street and says, we're all in for Jesus too. And more people follow suit and are baptized into the faith. Now, what do you think this did to the club across the street? This would have enraged them even more, made them even more angry and hostile. And I can't help but think that at this particular moment, Paul is in a very difficult spot. Because on the one hand, it would be safer to move to another city at this point. He's planted a church, they're believers, my life is in danger, time to move on. But on the other hand, the more he preached, the more he would be stoking the flames. And he would put himself, his friends, and these new converts at risk, but there was still work to be done. So what was he going to do? One night, when Paul was tossing and turning in bed, the Lord Jesus Christ appears to him in a vision. And to this apostle who experienced so much discouragement, and now who is torn up about what to do about his ministry, Jesus gives him the best encouragement yet. Better than work, better than friends, better than finances, even better than fruitfulness. What Paul receives in that vision is a pledge of the faithfulness of Jesus Christ to him. And Jesus gives him three words of comfort for Paul's benefit, and we have it recorded in Scripture today for our benefit. First, Jesus says this, Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. Just as God commanded Joshua not to be afraid before he entered into the promised land, so now the Lord speaks to Paul as he plants a church in Corinth against spiritual forces. You may face opposition at work. You may face rejection in your family. You may be condemned for your beliefs but we must speak the word wherever we are called to do it, whether it's teaching our children at home or teaching a Bible study, sharing the gospel with a coworker. We must do so with compassionate wisdom, but we also can do it with confidence. Then Jesus adds this, I am with you. 
no one is going to harm you. The great commission promised to the disciples is for Paul now too. Jesus will be with him always, even to the end of the age. No one is going to harm him. That is to say, not a hair is going to fall from his head without the will of his Father in heaven. And the same was true for Paul as it is for us. No matter what season of life you are in or the next place you are called to, Jesus Christ will be with you. His footprint is already there wherever you are going to take your next step. And he commands your destiny. Then lastly, Jesus adds this. For I have many people in this city. Earlier when we heard the prophet Isaiah, we learned God's servant in Israel will spread God's word all the way to the coastlands, all the way to the ends of the earth. What Isaiah is doing this, what Isaiah is doing is in prophetic language describing the ministry of Jesus Christ. But Jesus and his ministry never traveled that far. Certainly never as far as Isaiah said the good news would travel. So what's going on here? Jesus commissions Paul to advance his saving ministry to the ends of the earth. The ministry of Jesus through the acts of this apostle. So why does Paul stay in the morally corrupt city of Corinth? Because Jesus has his people there too. God had these people in mind all the way from the promises of Isaiah, from the promises of Isaiah all the way from the beginning of time. And with this encouragement, Paul remains in Corinth for a year and six months. The opposition to him remained fierce, but Christ's faithfulness was greater. And the Lord Jesus will provide us whatever needs we need to be faithful to his calling too. Whether that's material provisions, friendship, or the most powerful thing of all, his precious promises. He has unlimited supply for us to press on. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.